back on the air, Marg and me. This is Conversation with Alaskan Gardeners. It's a call-in show. And we welcome you all to participate, 586-907-586-1800. We'll get you onto the air, and we can have a question and answer session about all kinds of horticultural things. It was so nice to see everybody last weekend at the sale at Safeway. They kind of have this feeling of maybe things will get back to normal, sort of. There were people I haven't seen in three or four years. I know I haven't seen them in the last two years. I haven't seen their faces. Well, you haven't seen anybody. <laughs> well, pretty much I can see their eyes, you know. <laughs> Being masked up has really changed a lot of the face-to-face communication. But there were so many people. They were lovely. It was They great. really, really were. And the rest of the vendors, it was charming to see them all out there. Uh-huh, but, I loved and it. And all those, those uh, garden club and and arboretum aficionados and other people who are growing things and and the master and yeah oh yes and the other people growing things that you know i had no idea how many people there were out there in the world uh good morning conversations yes i like to know what fruit trees and what nut trees go real well in juneau alaska well i'll tell you what i know on the air okay okay thank you thank you are there, there aren't any nuts that grow here, right? I, I heard somebody talking just this last weekend. I heard sheep. Oh! You heard sheep? I'm just joking, <laughs> Dave. Sheep trees? <laughs> okay, I heard somebody talking about uh, Carpathian walnuts, that they had germinated them and grown them for two years. You know, and that's not very old for a nut tree. You know, it's, nut trees have to be like 10 years old before they bear fruit, but still... The idea that they'd lived through the last two winters outdoors was a Did big Did they deal. flower? I mean, don't nut trees have to flower to make fruit? They do, but they have to. You know how it goes when, when you, you plant something and you start it from a seed, yes. it has to overcome juvenility. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, by the time it, the plant gets old enough to bear fruit, it's of pretty good size. And that's one of the reasons why they graft mature onto wood onto, onto uh, earlier trunks. Uh-huh, rootstock. That's right. So that they'll already be old enough to bear fruit. Well, but uh, but I heard that, and I also heard someone talking just in this last year about uh, hazelnuts. Somebody being able to have hazelnuts. But those are the very first times I've ever heard anybody nuts, saying because nuts are a real. They're a harder thing to grow. Yeah. And I think I'm sure that out there in the world there are nut trees that'll live in this kind of climate. I'm With absolutely all the rain we get. I don't think that matters as much. I think more has to do with how long the day length is and how cold it is at that time. Okay. You know, so the plant can get into sync with it. Because if you think about how it works in the wild world, as the the range of native plants extends further and further north, there are going to be fewer and fewer plants that are going to be able to live there. But sooner or later, there's going to be at least one or two that are going to be able to live in most kinds of climates. And if you can find that one... That's what all those plant explorers do, climb Carpathian, around those crags. Car- Carpathian, Carpathian walnuts, walnuts. Uh-huh. holy moly. Uh-huh. Okay, as far as fruit trees, uh, the, the, big, the big ones that people grow around here are apple trees because those are part of the very northernmost cultivated plants. But they're also, there are a few kinds of plums. There are... What a, kind of plums? Boy, what was it that he had growing around his house in the Italian p- plums. We have Italian plums this year. We have Santa Rosa plums this year, both of which are dicey to see if they're going to get to grow. 
Um, I can't remember the varietal name of that plum. It'll come back to me, I'm sure. You're talking about Rich Poor? Oh, it was Rich Poor's plum trees. He certainly had the horticultural grove of Didn't he? Th- and they're still tr- there. They're he, still growing around his house there on the main Douglas. street in Douglas. Yeah. Uh, and they're right up, tucked up against the house between the windows. Nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that there is a cross between mountain ash and pear called Anoctiva. And I know that Cliff Johnson has one. And does it produce? It produces. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I sold it to him anything, years and years Anything and years ago. that's crossed with a mountain ash makes me skeptical. Well, you know, mountain ash is, very uh, is part of the apple family. Uh-huh. They're all part of the rose family. So there are... And uh, cherries. And quinces. Remember, we grew quinces? Mm-hmm. And, uh, in a protected zone, but we did. We grew them in uh, Douglas. Uh-huh. And Mrs. Barrett had them there in the front of her condominium. So yep. That's why we got them. She was so enamored of quinces. And it bore fruit for 20 years. Right. Until she finally passed and moved away. Didn't we espalier it onto the wall? The, uh, the second one we did. The first one was stood out by the edge of the parking lot. Uh, and, of course, there's cherries. And cherries, really, of all the, the fruit tree varieties, there are more kinds of cherries around that you can grow here in the north. So there's the, the Montmorency cherries that are the dark ones that are self-pollinating. Uh, someone told me they had Bing cherries just this last week again. Montmorency has great flavor. It does. It's the most widely planted cherry in the world. Because it, it kicks. It really does. And the fact that it's self-pollinating is a big deal. We only have one this year. and, and uh, Is I that the one? It's in the yard. And then there's the Evans cherry. Now, that's a real odd thing, it the Evans is. Cher- cherry. It kind of yeah. looks like an olive. It does. And, and the <laughs> it's Evans, green. It's, it's uh, a green cherry. It's called the Evans Bali, B-A-L-I, cherry. And it was found oh, sometime in the mid-50s in an abandoned homestead out in the great prairie provinces, someplace way, way north in Canada. And it was like a straggly little tree, but it bore fruit, and people have propagated it from then. So they are... They're do still they out ripen there. here? Yeah, they ripen here. And uh, Do they turn red they eventually? Turn, they turn red. It's not a bush cherry. It's a, it's tr- a small tree. tree yeah. uh, looks gnarly even from the very early ages. And then there are those bush cherries. Now, we've only gotten fruit from them occasionally. But, but I think they need and, a drier climate. I think they need more heat in the summertime. Well, who knows? A drier climate would be more heat. Okay, so I hope that's of some help to you, ma'am. And uh, call us up or send us an email, and we'll, we'll uh, repeat this stuff to you privately if you like. So, but do you know the where plants ca- come from and how they're propagated are quite a romantic story. Really. Aren't they, though? It's really, you think about the people who wandered around. You know, the Victorians were really big. Of course, they had lots of money. But they could travel all over the world with their Sherpas and their guys and women to take care of them while they collected wild plants and they loved to go to the Himalayas and to China and, and all over the Far East where the diversity in the plant material is tremendous. That's and, really true. And that's where so many of our plants originated from that were hybridized that we're using today in our modern horticulture. And not just of ornamental plants, but one of the big reasons why you'd see those people do that was for economic horticulture. There was a gigantic 
arm of the government, and particularly in Britain, in the more modern times, who and what are modern times that you're talking about? Because oh, history is like you know, uh, after the 1700s. Okay, exactly. Okay, and, and maybe after the 1600s. <laughs> you have to watch you know, it when you're talking to Dave. Because modern times that, after the 1700s. After the 1600s. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because you know, I wasn't they, alive they then, saw but he was. economic advantage to having plantations of various things that were hard to come by, and some of them that were absolutely restricted. Like you could not, you could not export a tea plant from China on penalty of life. You know, you would be killed. So then, or how did tea it, seeds? How did it happen? British guys in disguise went there and and you know worked their way into it and managed to get a few handfuls of seeds. They built this thing called Wardian cases, which were small greenhouses, something like the size of a suitcase that you could keep something alive in over a ocean six month voyage. period because yeah. it would take six months to go to get back to England, to back or, to England. or to wherever they were going to go. You know, remember it's Mutiny like when on the Bounty? Marco Polo brought noodles to Italy. That's right. Mutiny <laughs> on the Bounty was about the transfer of breadfruit from uh, Polynesia to the Caribbean. That's what they were doing in order to provide, you know, provide cheap food to slaves. Is were you on that boat at. too? <laughs> we're still on that boat, Mark. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I was reading about lilac breeders. I, you know, I love lilac and I love the whole idea of lilac. Did you read it's, the thing in the Facebook or the Instagram today from the gardener and developers talking about how he loves lilacs, and when he looks at a lilac, he thinks about the time when the world was trying to make the world a prettier place. Oh, I'm right there. You know, no, I didn't, and, but I will. I'll go look for it. And you know, it. there are so many of the basis of our gardening plants today come from that era of Victorian up to modern times, you know, in When's the modern 19, times? 1950s, oh. 1960s, <laughs> you know, after all the wars and everything, uh -huh. um, to propagate and improve the original Absolutely. Xperia azalea or, you know, the rhododendron or the apple. Or, or roses. Or roses. Or got, roses is one of the tulips. big economic drivers in, in horticulture worldwide. And there are big rose breeding companies that still today make fortunes by introducing new roses. And, and the, since, uh, since about the 1980s, the European market prohibited the use of some kinds of of uh, pesticides and the rose breeders took that challenge and ran with it and they have been developing roses that need no disease protection that need no unless they live in Juneau, Alaska unless they live in Juneau, Alaska uh -huh. or they can die in the winter <laughs> I know that miracle on the Hudson Rose we brought in last year you know, well, it you didn't know, get any diseases but on the other hand it didn't live through the winter well didn't live through the winter in a pot in a, a greenhouse but you know Ginger stayed alive in her slightly heated garage but that's not miracle on the hudson isn't it no i, I thought it was no because miracle on the hudson had huge amounts of thorns oh. just huge amounts of deadly kinds of thorns and those those that she has don't have that well i don't think that because they didn't live for us and i got a call yesterday from somebody else saying that, that they didn't live either yeah well it's really it's all about location location it location. actually is and treatment 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 mm -hmm. you, you know i look at the Kusa dogwood that's growing in Douglas, you know, it makes me want to bring dogwoods to town because 
I love the dogwood tree. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's facing south. It's under an eave. And it's protected it's, against the building. It's right up against the building. <laughs> but it's beautiful. And when it's in bloom, it blooms for months. Right. When you showed me that, I was astounded. Astounded. Mm-hmm. So it's really about And it was location. a beautiful, beautiful flower on a, on a not very big tree, but it had lots of flowers on it. Mm-hmm. It was great. Mm-hmm. So I really do think it has to do with, I mean, anything can die, you know. <clears throat> so it's really about location, location, location. And you know that And fruiting, the kind of care it gets. That fruiting dogwood that we planted up above the parking garage. I don't know that one. Dogwood? Yeah, it's a dogwood. It's called a Cornelian cherry. Oh. And, it's a, and it has an edible fruit. And it has a dogwood flower, and it's up in that little park section at the very top of the hill. And I looked at it last year, and it was alive and vigorous, so I'm assuming that it's still there now. I should call Dave and ask him to walk down and check it out. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's a fruiting dogwood. And, we, and speaking of fruiting plants, that uh, fruiting honeysuckle you had me go without and root out of the greenhouse. The honeyberry. That just looked beautiful. It just absolutely was like, I'm leading the parade this year. That's right. With no water, came out full in leaf, was and the flowering. Flower, the flowers on it were so sweet smelling. <laughs> I'm, I'm knocked out. You know, I, I bought them a few years ago and we grew them thinking, oh, this is interesting. We didn't have any real success on them. But uh, these were kind of the remnants, and, they, and we put them away last year. They weren't very vigorous. They weren't very attractive. I don't Looks think like they, they even got fed. Well, I'm just looked, saying they just looked great this year. They just came booming, like, okay, uh-huh. the more you ignore me, the stronger I'm going to get. Okay, so we have, and, and also, speaking of fruiting things, so Landscape Alaska is our nursery, and we're on the back loop road. Let me, let me uh, take a And this is a, a call-in show, so if you are tired of hearing us talk and you have questions, please call I us up. <laughs> Okay, yes, it's a call-in show, 907-586-1800, and we'd be glad to talk about anything you want to talk about in terms of landscape and horticulture. So uh, we have a whole bunch of kinds of rhubarb this year, and one of the things that I'm offering today are uh, five varieties of raspberries and three kinds of rhubarb that are uh, set out in nice, attractive displays by our young associate who's going to be so charming and so ready to do business. Good morning, Conversations. Hey, good morning, Dave and Margaret. It's Mary Lou Bavard. Um, I have a Miss Kim lilac that I've had for a few years, and it looks like it needs to be pruned, but looking it up on the Internet, it says that you shouldn't have to have to prune them. Um, give me some suggestions on when you should prune it. It's getting kind of big. I'll okay, tell you, Mary Lou, on the air. Nice to hear your voice. So... so you always prune lilacs when they're in bloom, so you bring them into your house and enjoy the flowers. That's the easiest thing to remember in terms of guidelines. You prune lilacs by cutting bouquets. So if you just hang on for, a, you know, Let's maybe see, another month. Around the 4th of July. Right. End of the, June. Mm-hmm. I was looking on the steps of the Capitol at those Miss Kims that are in the stone planters that we planted there. It's got to be 20 years ago. And they look so groovy. They look they so get fed. 
they're, well, we they're fed res- them. They're right. responding to <laughs> being fed. Uh-huh. And they look just powerful and strong. Miss Kim Lilac is the lilac that makes the hedge around the parking lot at the... Gold Belt. Gold Belt building. You know, when you come off the bridge and you're looking across the street, that parking lot has a hedge of lilac around it. And that lilac blooms around the 4th of July. And it's a really, really good lilac for us here. Not only does it does it bloom after the common lilac does, but it's resistant to the, both the diseases and pests that the common lilac is susceptible to. So the other thing is, one of the reasons why they probably say it doesn't need to be pruned much is because it's, it is a, a dwarf form. It's not as big as the common lilac, and so it never gets much... I mean, it can get six feet tall and six feet wide, but it's not going to get 15 feet tall and 15 feet wide. Right. So it's a denser, more compact grower. Now, um, by picking bouquets, you know, look at it now while it's just still coming out into leaf and see where you think it needs to be pruned the most. Um, Because you... And the reason why you pick bouquets is because you want to make sure that you don't disturb the buds that come right after it flowers for the next year. That's right. So if you wait two months after it blooms to prune it, then you're going to cut off the bud wood for the that would year. have flowers. And if you prune it before it flowers, you're going to cut off the flowers that come from this year. So the one thing about the hedge around the Gold Belt building, as nice as it is, and the people who take care of that property do an excellent job, is that right after it uh a couple of months before winter comes, they go through and they they uh, prune off all the tops so that the hedge itself stays neat and tidy. But if you look at it this year around the 4th of July, it's only blooming on the inside of the plant because the tops have all been cut off. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's the effect. It doesn't kill them or anything, but it, uh, it definitely disturbs the power of the flower. <laughs> and the same thing is true of lots of other things. If you just look at them and think about what's the sequence when's it going to bloom and what kind of what kind of growth what part of the plant is it going to come into flower on that's why those mis- those uh quick fire lilacs are so cool cuz you don't have to prune them in the fall you can wait until the springtime you can prune them anytime and then you can see what's alive and what's dead you can prune them way back and all those every one of those buds that shows is going to make a branch that'll have a flower on it now with the Miss Kim Lilac, my tendency when I'm pruning mine is to try to open it up on the inside because they tend to get real sticky and dense on the inside. And so um, by thinning it out from the inside out, it leaves it a more open manner, which makes the flowers more prolific and happier when it goes to bloom. And and at the same time, you see that the uh, the tendency of the of people in landscape management is to prune them into tight little forms, into balls and cubes and and loads and things. Right. Right. And that's not the same thing that you're talking about. What you're talking about is to make it more like a a garden. And and also more like a mature flowering tree, Mm -hmm. even in miniature. You know, there's so many plants that we're not able, we don't see anymore. I think about the honeysuckle shrub. You know, I love that. Wasn't it a McFarland or... uh, McFarland is the Canadian kind. It's called... uh, Some Scottish name, something. (laughs) (laughs) It has to do with the the, uh, arboretum that's associated with Harvard University. Well, anyway, I love that. Arnold. 
It's the Arnold, Arnold Red. Red, uh, and it's such a beautiful. And there's a lot of them around old Juno homes. But the difference, I believe, in the plants that are being created now versus the ones that were created then, say in the anywhere from the mid 1800s up to the 1950s, is that there was a lot more space. So having big shrubs around your farmhouse or out in the suburbs or out in the edge of the wild was the plan. So they wanted things that got six feet tall and eight feet wide. That's and, right. You know, and have it be Wygelia and, and honeysuckle shrubs. And, and big and ro- shrub roses. And, and roses. And, and this is long before really rhododendrons and, became and as camellia. common. And camellias, right. So now things need to be more compact from the very beginning because people don't live in those spacious surroundings and the landscape demands that they behave. <laughs> right. So you don't get to have your elephant, you have to have a goat. <laughs> right, know, or right? maybe a guinea pig. <laughs> well, something a little bigger than a guinea pig. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and, and also there's so many people whose only access to the, the outdoor growing world is going to be a deck. And a pot. Uh-huh. And, and uh, maybe, uh, maybe a couple window boxes. Right. So, so, but they still have the same desire to have things growing that are going to satisfy them. Absolutely. You know, you, you hear the story of the shoemaker's children go barefoot. Well, this landscape architect garden goes <laughs> neglected. I have two window boxes that I plant my vegetables in. And I'm so happy. You know, I know. And Beth planted them for me last year because I was too busy. Uh, I'm going to dump them out and get the soil ready. And I have Swiss chard to go in them and parsley and, you know, green onions and stuff. But nothing very fancy. They're only three feet long. But they're, you're going to They're, they're pack less them full. than a foot wide. Uh-huh. And I'll just pack it up because I put them in fresh salads and it's easy for me. That's right. And even just a window box, a three or four foot window box, will provide you a lot of flavor and a lot of freshness. Really And great. then you can have a few violas. I, I, I don't need violas. I need violas. <laughs> well, get sure your that, own box. <laughs> <laughs> make sure that every planting you have has some violas in it. Okay, anyway. so we're going to be open today and tomorrow. Landscape Alaska is on its summer hours now. Last year we didn't have a a uh, organized retail scene during and the week. And we still don't this year, so don't let him fool you. Okay, but we do have <laughs> we do have staff on hand, so we'll be open. We'll be closed on Mondays. So Tuesday through Sunday we'll be open. From 10 till 5. And on Sunday noon to 4, but right, during the week 10 to 5, and that would be from, uh, it'll be today. Today is Saturday. Today is Saturday. And from Tuesday to Saturday, 10 to 5. And and uh, the snowplow took out our really fancy mailbox seam with its greenhouse and planter box on it. So we have now a <laughs> black metal planter box screwed to a sawhorse. Yeah. I'm going to fix the other one. It's just get around to it, Dave. Exactly. Can you get around to it? I don't think you can. But that's all right. As long as it says, this is where we are. So if you look at our website, landscapealaska.com, you'll see a map, you see a picture of the driveway, but for those who haven't been there before. And I'm surprised how many people in this it's, last week we've never seen before. It's between Goat Hill and Springway. There's a big, as you're headed to the glacier, a big dirt driveway that goes up to the top of the hill. And we have a little banner up there. You'd have to have eyes like a uh, eagle to be able to read it, but still. 
If it looks like a goofy place, that's where we are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you'll have any trouble. Anyway, there, there, what I was going to say was there's a lot of people we've never seen before. Young people who are coming to find things out that they are. They're looking around for, for what they can do with their landscape. They want to have something that is less than common. People are buying those lilies. I wish we had more of them. Yeah. I'm going to grab two today. because You I've got, better because I, I they am. are going to be gone. And you'll sell them out of my pot. I know. I made. I might sell your whole pot. <laughs> That's the way that goes. So there is a a lily that gets as tall as I am that has big white flowers on it. He's only two feet tall though. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's a call. It's a call in. If anybody has any other questions, just a few minutes left to go. So you can always send us a question to landscape Alaska at Gmail, and we respond. Don't we, we have do well five or it. six minutes? So yeah, we're on it. We have a while. Okay. So nine oh seven. That's our phone number. Oh, our phone number, 907, the, oh, the one here, 586-1800. Our phone number, 907-321-4149. And that's my cell phone. It'll get us no matter where we are. So Margaret and I are working in the landscape. We're also getting our nursery back into shape for the new season. It's really an exciting time of the year, and we could use a couple more hands. <laughs> you think? If somebody is interested in a really exciting job i mean really really exciting job it's pretty fun it is you get to see the most fantastic stuff and also if you come to work for landscape alaska you get first choice when it comes off the truck you know so a lot of people who work one day or two days a week that's one of the reasons why they do that is to get access well this week we we have a whole container load of plants that we haven't been able to bring up to the nursery so this week we're going to be reorganizing our nursery so we can bring our new stock up and if people are looking for beautiful conifers meaning evergreens that have needles that aren't necessarily giant trees but are really beautiful in your landscape we have an incredible collection and we the, do. by next weekend we'll have them up to the, the house we have we've got a few of most of them there today so if you want to come and look at they're them they're really pretty including including this electric blue subalpine fir that just stands out in the landscape like a the, the like tips, a, an led light the tips come out yellow yeah like an electric new blue body with yellow tips on them uh-huh it's really really pretty. really a stunning thing and fragrant and soft to the touch and not too huge you can hug it also, we have these uh, mugo pines that are the kinds that stay tidy and tight and low. So they'll get about oh, maybe three feet tall and four or five feet across, ground to ground, kind of hemispherical. They'd really be good cool. in pots, tough, oh, really, yeah. really tough. Great in pots and great for, for a semi-formal kind of application. You want to come up on the steps to your deck and your deck steps are broad enough to hold a pot. This is the ideal thing for that. And lingonberries, beautiful man, lingonberries. Oh man, lingonberries. So uh, we'll be there until 5 o'clock this afternoon. We'll welcome you. Come out and see us tomorrow from uh, noon to 4. And then Monday, a day off. Hmm. That's funny. <laughs> it is, isn't it? As if there's ever a day off in a small business. Okay, we'll look forward to seeing you all. And uh, next week, we'll be back on the radio. And Thank you for calling in. Yes, thanks for the call. We're thrilled to hear your voice. And until then, this is Margaret and Dave from Landscape Alaska, and we're wishing you all happy gardening.